I'm Theron Garhi, and you're listening to Theron and Friends. Welcome back. This is episode two, and oh my God, I am feeling so much calmer, cooler, collected. It was a little bit scary last week to unleash Theron and Friends episode one into the world, having no idea how it might be heard or taken up or interpreted. I am so happy to reveal that it's been great and you've been great and thank you so much for engaging with the show, whether it's been DMs on Instagram or emails to our very official email address, theoranandfriends at gmail.com. I've got some lovely comments and questions and feedback and I'm thrilled, so thank you. Coming up, we will be picking up on our cliffhanger from last week and revealing mine and Mark's mutual confidant. So in the meantime, he's on to me straight away. Ah! <laughs> And the joys of traveling overseas with some dear, dear friends. Excuse me, sorry, we're Irish. And it's like, Darren's on the ground, she's hurt. He's like, sorry, excuse me, she hasn't a fucking clue what she's doing. I'm so pleased to say that Darren and Friends is brought to you by FNF Fashion at Tesco. Think of it as your one stop shop this summer season with versatile pieces and wardrobe essentials to dress the entire family for a day out, a day at the beach, or a barbecue in the back garden. It goes without saying, you have to make the most of the good weather and be somewhat ready for impromptu sea swims. So I dropped into my local FNF recently and I picked out the most gorgeous one-piece red swimsuit. It had this fab ruched detail on the front. Stunning. It's absolutely perfect for a skip to Sandy Cove or wherever you go for a swim, whatever takes your fancy. A little lie out in the back garden, iced coffee in hand, a fab podcast, bliss. Kickstart summer with a fresh new look from FNF, fashion at Tesco. And now back to the cliffhanger with Mark. So we have a mutual friend. And confidant. And confidant. James Kavanagh. Yeah. Okay. And James Kavanagh would be a fan of a story. He'd be a fan of a chat. Yeah. Okay. He'd be a fan of gossip. So (laughs) I knew that if I... Hearsay. Speculative things. (laughs) I knew that if I said it to James, it would definitely get back to you. (laughs) But I knew that I could say it to James in a way wherein I could, I could like ostensibly not be looking for any closure. Yeah. But just like sort of go, oh, like, have you heard anything? You know? Yeah. Knowing that James would go, oh my God, you know? Yeah. Stunning. Dessert in the room. Brilliant, brilliant. But <laughs> I love you, James. But um, <laughs> I ring up James Kavanagh and I just go, no, I sent him a voice note. I go, listen. This isn't going anywhere. Knowing that James's button, James's finger is just permanently on the forward button. Genuinely. When you see forward in many times, if you trace that back, James Kavanagh is at the epicenter. There's like the Earth's core, which is like Heat magazine. Then there's the inner crust. And that's like the National Enquirer and Evoke.ie. Then you go into, I don't know enough about magma or geography, but then you get into the magma. And then you've just got James Kavanagh. Brilliant. Anyway, so I sent James a voice note being like, hey man, what's the story? Listen, quick one. This isn't to go anywhere. And I go, you're friends with Darren Gary. We were talking loads. Uh, I'm just going to tell you exactly what happened. We were talking loads, seemed to be getting on really well. She came to my live show and then we didn't really talk afterwards. And then like, I just haven't heard from her. And I actually sent her a message on Sunday and she completely smoked me. And I'm just wondering, like, do you know anything? <laughs> Did she say anything about me? Or have you heard anything about me? I then get a message back from him going, hey, sorry, haven't heard anything, just out and about, I'll come back to you soon. I'm like... In the meantime... Well, this is... Ah! Darren! <laughs> straight. So in the meantime, he's on to me straight away. Yeah. Voice note. Can I call you? So he called me and 
of course, when he asked me, could he call me? The first thing that came into my head was, I hope this is about Mark Megan. Did you? Yeah. I was looking like, well, you're slagging me now. <laughs> so he rings me and he's like, you're not going to guess what? I was like, what? He's like, Mark Megan just got on to me to say that he can't figure out what went wrong. Because I had given James a brief synopsis and he actually didn't give me anything because he didn't know what might have been going on with you. He was just like, that's really weird that he didn't get on to you. Did he, yeah? Yeah. I'm sorry, James, for the cold comment <laughs> and the earth scorey thing. <laughs> so he says, I'm just going to, I'm just going to be the go between. I'm just going to go back to him and say, do you want him to contact you? And I said, yeah, obviously I do. So he said, okay, I'll go back to him and tell him that you do want to hear from him. So then, so, yeah, but also interestingly, I was appearing on James's podcast on the Tuesday. Um, the last, no, the, what did you eat this week? Yes. And I texted him. He, he came back to me on the Monday. Go, he got on to me on the Monday going, do you want to do my podcast this week? And I was like, yeah. Knowing, like, obviously I wanted to do his podcast, but also knowing he's going to have to give me an answer on this daring thing. Like, he can't just fucking pie me. Yeah, because he, he, he let you go for like two he, days. He had ghosted my whole thing about <laughs> daring. So at this point, I'm like, what have I done to this girl that is like now doing the rounds with all the rats of Dublin? And like, I'm not being told. <laughs> so then... I get a text from him just being like, hey, can I call you? And now, like, I speak to James Kavanagh probably every day, okay? Mm-hmm. But for him to say, can I call you is... Yeah. It's really strange. Yeah. We only talk via voice note on Instagram. Yeah. So I go, yeah, of course. And I go, how are you? And uh, he was like, so listen, uh, Darren Garrahy. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, I've spoken to her. And I was like... Yeah, like my heart and willy fluttering. Do you know what I mean? I was like, yeah, what was said? And he goes, her version of events were the exact same as yours, but just a completely different perspective. And I was like, what do you mean, James? And he was like, and then he told me how you viewed it. And my mind was just blown. So then you texted me. So then I said, I finished the conversation with him. I go, well, what do I do now? And he goes, get in touch with her. And then I was like, okay, but this, all of this was just so surreal because the idea of you, I was like, this is just so, it didn't make sense to me that you were, you know, nervous and like you thought it was on me and like I was the asshole in the situation. So I was, I I was afraid of putting myself out there too much. So I sent you this message. Oh, I can't read the whole thing. You can. No, I don't want to. That's private. Okay, well, read some of it then. (laughs) Okay, some of it, you said, I was firmly of the belief that it was on you to message me, whereas he said you thought the opposite. Either way, consider this a romantic olive branch, question mark. I was really glad you came. Easy. In brackets. To your show. Why did you say do the easy in brackets? So weird. And naturally would have hung out afterwards, but it was tricky. I just assumed we'd be in touch afterwards. But then when you pied my message above, I assumed I had done something to upset you as I had been really enjoying talking up until then. It seems like an absolute classic rom-com miscommunication scenario. Anyway, if you pie this, I'm bringing one of your colleagues to the south of France (laughs) and I'm getting back on the rosé for the weekend. (laughs) Yeah. So I got back to that. You go back to that with like a hefty voice note of you doing Dahi O'Shea if he was the presenter of like Takeshi's Castle. <laughs> no, I'm like, take me seriously, woman. <laughs> I got back. Driving around, throwing fibers out of the range. <laughs> Rena. 
<laughs> so I got back and said, well, listen, I'm actually on this outside this evening, so do you want to go for a walk? So anyway, you said, oh, I'm actually uh, up to my eyes all night. Uh, I've a lot of work to do, <laughs> so I can't do that. And I'm like, okay, grand. So then you proceed to voice note me for the entire night. And then at about 11 o'clock, I voice note, in one of the voice notes back to you, I'm like, by the way, how's that work going? <laughs> Caught you like rotten, completely lying. You were just chicken shit to go for the walk. I was chicken shit to go for the walk. But also when I'm talking to somebody more successful than me, I have to try and keep up this air and graze of I'm busy. I'm a busy man. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've got so much. I've got like genuinely, I'm flat out this evening. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm just like kicking one of the balloons around my apartment left over from my mum's 60th. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Going, oh, I wish I played football. I'm actually really good at it. It's a balloon. <laughs> It's very easy to do 7,000 keepy-uppies with a balloon, Mark. Literally go, in the mirror, talking to you about how busy I am. Anyway, let's fast forward. So the following week, we go for a walk for our first date in Dunleary. I drive to outside your apartment and we go for the walk around uh, Glass Tool and that kind of area. We go for breakfast. You didn't uh, give me a kiss when you walked me back to the car. So I was like, grand, that's fine. I touched you on the belly button, if I remember correctly. I didn't know what to do. I completely panicked. I was like, I'll see you later. And I just sort of reached towards your midriff. Like some sort of weird, yeah. Anyway, I and just then- went, see you later and gave you a squeeze. Like, <laughs> like, twi- like, in a, like you know, when you see a, st- a to- toy, a stuffed animal in a pet shop, and you're like, I want to have a squeeze, does it have a beep? And you sort of go, Meh. Brilliant. So nothing happened. Nothing and happened. Then, but it was a great first date apart from that. It was a very powerful first date. Why did you say it was powerful? Well, it was a powerful date. There was like, I, this is going to sound so spoofy and I'm going to get absolutely rinsed for it. But when you discover love, no, <laughs> no, when we met and when we, it was lashing rain when you came over first, before we went to the walk, it was torrential. And I had to go out and find you because you, weirdly enough, couldn't find the uh, apartment, remember, even with maps. Even with Google Maps, you still couldn't find the location of my apartment. So it's infuriating. And I had to go out, find you and bring you into the apartment. It was like the only time ever where I sort of felt, you know, there was an energy in the room. What do you mean? You know what I mean, but I still have a career (laughs) as a comedian ahead of me. And I don't fancy becoming a fucking meme. Okay. I have like this, I have a veneer of I roast things and I'm a little bit cool. I can't start talking about the things. <laughs> anyway, we went for a lovely walk and... We did. Yeah. And then we went on a second date and ah, it was very obvious that we needed to, we needed to have a kiss. Yes. But it was very obvious that you were too nervous to do it. So I just went in for the kill. Again, I was very nervous because I didn't know how to... Di- I knew how to do the first date, going for the walk. That was absolutely fine. But yeah. because I was sober and I didn't know how to like progress things. And uh, given our propensity to misread situations together, <laughs> I was like, I could be jailed. <laughs> if I do this wrong, I could literally be arrested. And that's not... Uh, I'm not interested in that. So six months later... And now the other day, you didn't speak to me for 45 minutes on Saturday morning because you witnessed me, in your words, surfing a fart (laughs) in the living room. Did you or didn't you? Yes. And I think, by the way, if you haven't surfed a fart, you haven't lived. I can't believe that this is it, by the no, way. No, this is what you do. You know you're about to fart. And if you know it's going to be a long one, you'll yeah. stand up yeah. and start to let out. But as it's coming out, go, ooh. As if, as if you're surfing it. 
It's far. It's far as comedy. There's no higher brow form of comedy than fart humor. So there you go. So that's where we are. Seven months in. Producer Paddy, you're laughing. Shane, you're laughing. You guys are definite, definite fart surfers. Guilty as charged, fart surfers. Paddy. Shane's a self-confessed yeah. uh, fart surfer. <laughs> and he also doesn't have a microphone, so he can't defend himself. <laughs> but I'm clean as a, clean as a whistle. I swear. <laughs> well, that's that sign seal delivered. The uh, cliffhanger has been addressed and we're done. Okay, next up is a good pal. And I think when you're starting a new project... Of course, you're going to lean on and pull in the people that you can rely on the most. Not to get too cringe about it, but it's it's a fact. A friend, a colleague, another confidant seems to be the word of the episode. It's Carl Mullen. Okay, Carl, I'm going to do a bit of psychoanalysis here. Okay. I think a major reason why, say for example, now I know Dancing with the Start, you're sick of talking. Are you sick of talking about it? No! Never! I'm not a hope in hell. <laughs> I put myself through... 11 weeks of absolutely shitting myself on national television. I will talk about it now until the cows come home. You are the people's princess. Exactly. (laughs) Well, I I think we should talk a bit about that, right? Because I think, like, it's just been so amazing to see the way that people have connected with you. And I think the reason why... You were and are so loved. It feels so weird to talk like this because usually we just rip the piss out of each yeah, other. Yeah, no, on, so, I actually feel like I can't look at you in the face. I know, it's, it's, very, nice it's very intense. <laughs> it's very kind just, of me. I'm just going to stare down while you say these nice things. <laughs> but I think that it is so brilliant to see, like, the way people really connected with you on the likes of Dancing with the Stars and do on Instagram. And the reason you, for the most part, only get positive feedback mm. is because... It's very simple. It's very clear to see that you are genuine and you're sincere. Mm, yeah. It's kind of weird. I found the the week after winning Dancing with the Stars, everyone talks about like, a few people had warned me, your sister included, had said like when it finishes, like don't be surprised, there's a real come down from yeah. the whole thing. I didn't have a come down. I actually really, like struggled is a, is a, a very strong word, but I found it very overwhelming all of the lovely things that people were saying to me because you know yeah again yeah exactly like we won the thing and like look I knew like I was not the best dancer in Dance with the Stars so there was another reason why people were voting for you you know fine it's improvement and it's lots of other things but it was I suppose people connecting with you and you were stunning dancer I was (laughs) thank you very much (laughs) I remember thinking to myself this is weird like what have I done to deserve people being so nice to me and I found that really hard to like kind of process because you're going like, you know, when, when when people are being so nice and things are going so well, you're like, okay, wait, is this going to all come down, cr- crashing and burning? Like I just, it was this strangest feeling because people were being so nice mm. that your automatic reaction or my automatic reaction was to be like, whoa, no, and to bat it off. Yeah. And it took me, a th- I kind of went underground for a few days because I was like, okay, I have to just process this before I say anything or do anything because... It was, it was mental. It's, you know, people were so genuine and lovely and people still come up to me on the streets and like, congratulations, you were amazing. You're absolutely brilliant. And I just, you know, I get awkward when people are being <laughs> nice to me, you know, as I'm probably being right now. <laughs> it's very clear that you are a yes person that you would, you hate letting people down. Yeah. Um, but people can mistake that for you being a pushover maybe. Yeah. I, 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 I'm very unconfrontational. Like, I do not like confrontation. And a lot of the times, like, there might be stuff and it might irk me and I'll process it in my head and I'll be like, is this worth the row? 
And nine times out of ten, I'm like, it's not. Yeah. I'll kind of say, look, this is all going to blow over and just pick my moment. But I would never flip the lid. But like, I'd definitely be like, no, that's not going to happen. Or people were disrespectful to you. Yeah. You know, because they think they can get away with it. I'd be like, oh, hang on a minute. like I've never seen it. I do remember one morning there was like, there was quite a serious, there's a funny situation we were on in the breakfast show because it's so light and it's just messing. And like, we could be talking the most unbelievable nonsense. Yeah. And then you're going into news headlines. So like some mornings you might start the show and there's, you know that there's a, a quite a, a serious headline. So we might put a, a song between us talking and the news headlines. Because yes. you need to have that bit of distance. You can't yeah. have us laughing and cracking jokes about farts and being ridiculous. <laughs> and then going into a serious headline. Yeah. And I remember there was one morning there was quite a serious news story had, had broken overnight. And... I remember we were all having a laugh and a joke and I said to yourselves like look do we need to think about how we're going to to deal with this and just all of us being us we were kind of like ah, and Dunners was kind of like oh look at look at oh. look at Brian Dobson over here like just <laughs> having, having a laugh but I remember at the time thinking like okay as much as I know that he's joking yeah. like, I actually think we need to think about this yeah. so I remember at the time like everyone was laughing I was like whoa I was like, I'm being serious. And everyone was like, oh shit, like, where did that come from? And it wasn't, I didn't like flip the lid, but it was just like, okay, everyone shut up and take me seriously for a second. And then we actually did, and we had a conversation around it. We're like, yeah, actually we do need to probably tiptoe around this quite carefully. Yeah. But like... On the topic, let's rinse Dunnick a little bit more. (laughs) There, There was another time during Dancing with the Stars where like, I think you were just... Ready to break well you were just like it, when I think back on it and actually it was great for me because I was feeling very sorry for myself being like I'm on TV on Sunday night and I'm radio Monday morning and I'm so tired and then you had a wife at home <laughs> a toddler yeah your wife was pregnant and we didn't know about it I know it was nuts and you had the dance rehearsals yeah. all week I didn't have to rehearse I didn't have to learn new dances it was, it was insane so it I was... had perspective wise it was actually brilliant for me yeah. that you were doing the show you were the one suffering the most you were anyone. very good during that though like you never were like oh my god like you were always like Jesus Carl I'm busy but I can't imagine what it's like for you yeah I remember you know? one day I was like you gotta take tomorrow off yeah you did you actually were like I actually think you spoke to a producer great yeah I was like, like he needs to take tomorrow he's gonna off. have to take tomorrow yeah. off and you were like I literally haven't said I wanted I was like you're taking we'll, we'll see you the following day. And then it was funny, as soon as you said it, I was like, oh my God, I do need to yeah. It's like I just broke. But mentally, I think it was like a Thursday morning. I was like, think about it. If you get the two hours extra sleep on the yeah. Thursday morning, even knowing that on Sunday night will give you that extra bit of um for your yeah. dance or whatever. But I remember there was one morning and you were like absolutely wrecked. And you said something about being tired. I remember Donna being like, oh, the little manning, oh, the little Carly Worley. He's a very tired little manning. And I remember looking at him being like, no, yeah. no, no, stop, leave him alone. And you were just kind of like rocking back and forth. And Grace, and Grace, like, obviously, any chance to like kill Donica. Yeah. Grace is in like a shop being like, what has he done now? Yeah. The problem Donica has as well is that like Donica, four days out of five, is in Cork doing the show. Yeah. So he's only open on a Zoom screen in front yeah. of us. And then we've the link between the two studios. So sometimes he can't gauge what the energy in the room yeah. is actually like. He's just in his little box. Oh, there. So he'll say, something and actually that's probably why there isn't really ever a row or there's never a moment where it boils over because we'll spot something oh yeah and I'll spot where they're like if he's irking you or if, like 
I'm irking him or whatever we'll all jump in and be like yeah I think I, I don't think that's a good idea and we'll take each other's sides when someone's being a bit unfair yeah. and then it's, that's when you're like oh shit I need to stop being like I do think if he was in Dublin the whole time we'd probably have more blowouts just because he is such a pain in the arse oh sure, Dunner's like even says he needs to take a break from himself from sometimes himself. <laughs> he's always like sometimes Jenny will just be like I actually don't want to see you for five hours like go away the time in the, the skiing like, I've never experienced anything like it. I was like relentless. Travelling with a one and a half year old is a piece of piss <laughs> compared to travelling with Jonathan O'Callaghan. <laughs> there was like we'd been away skiing for a couple of days and we were getting like ski instruct there was a ski instructor, it was this is before dancing. You had fallen yeah. and you were like, oh, dancing, it's finished. It's I've blown it. I've I my big chance. my arm. I you was were, like, oh, brilliant. Jen and I will not be able to do our opening sequence. It was like you were in the middle of learning the dance, like, and then you <laughs> fell. And, like, Dunner's just not a moment of sympathy, just, like, having that <laughs> taken. It was an opportunity to take the piss. And every time you'd be doing something, he was just so on. And there'd be, like, you'd be on the ground. And he'd be, like, to all the other tourists, sorry, we're Irish. Sorry, excuse me, sorry, we're Irish. And it's like, Darren's on the ground, she's hurt. He's like, sorry, excuse me, she hasn't a fucking clue what she's doing. Like, just being a pain in the hole. The worst was that final day. We were having our final lunch. Our flight was that night. And we were like, we're so over him. He's, yeah. he's the most annoying person. And we were sitting. And there was this little wooden ornament on the table we were at. There was a gorgeous open fire in the restaurant. And and he just decides to pick it up, bring it over and just put it into the fire. We were like, you can't. We were like, what are you doing? You are so mortifying. <laughs> that is an ornament from the restaurant, you absolute weirdo. And then it didn't, it didn't light up in flames and he started like prodding it. Yeah. We were just like, good luck. Like you're mortifying. And I think then he realised we'd had enough of him and he removed himself from the situation. Yeah. And I think he rang Jenny and he was yeah. like, yeah, they've had enough of me, Jenny. <laughs> Oh, we love him for yeah, it. He's, he's um, do you know what the thing is with Dunners though? He's one of those people who he's like, he'll slag you when you're in a group setting and yeah. he takes the piss. But then <laughs> you'll be gone off doing your own thing and he'll ring you. And if he knows that you were a bit off form, yeah. you're a bit tired. Like during dancing, he was constantly at it. He ring me and he'd be like, come on, Mull, like you got to keep, keep the foot down. This is where yeah. you need to be relentlessly positive. I and know. like, he was like any contacts he had or any bit nugget of information he had that like mentally could help you or whatever he just would he give so much of himself in that way like. but like we weren't very like forgiving when you were like you know toying with the idea of doing Dancing with the Stars we were like <laughs> either win it or don't do it because you'll be mortifying if you don't win it yeah it was it was mad you were the ones you were you, when I said to you I've been approached to do it and you were like okay either you go in to win or you don't do it yeah yeah, and look what you did. I know. What about my uh, my seesaw nature? Would you like to Would you like to explain that? Which this, I had never known about until you and Dunica, um So, so the seesaw nickname came about in Saul again <laughs> on that trip, and we realized. So what happened was we went to the top of this mountain. So this was actually just after you had fallen and hurt in your shoulder. Yeah, hurt your shoulder, and and Darren was freaking out about Dancing with the Stars. We went to the top of this like mountain where there was a restaurant a revolving restaurant and we went to get glue vine yeah delicious. which is absolutely oh. just like mulled wine mulled wines it's sweet it's just so it's like a hug in your tummy I don't know whether it was the altitude or whether it was just particularly potent it blew the absolute <laughs> head off all of us we were us after one thing of it so your shoulder was cured you were given it absolute socks I was at the top of the mountain flying my drone because I was like we have to get some sick shots up here and you and Doris were rinsing me and 
And actually, if you watch it back, there's a video on my Instagram page, and you can see you, and Darren's like twerking on top of the mountain, giving absolute <laughs> socks. And like, just, you were, you were so giddy. So giddy. And then it was like three minutes later, we were in the gondola coming back down the mountain, and Dunners and myself are still laughing about stuff. And I'm telling you, I could almost hear Simon and Garfunkel the sounds of silence coming out of your head. Because you were just like... Just gone, like dead. <laughs> and it happens now as well in studio. We'll really we'll be having the crack and it'll be between songs. And Darren will just disappear. <laughs> I okay, so I never knew that I was this type of person until you and Dunica told me. Yeah. Because these people wreck my head. You know someone who goes on their phone mm. and they're on their phone and you're talking to them and they oh can't hear you because they're so engrossed in the phone. I do that. You absolutely switch off. It's like a power down. Darren just goes zoom. And she's just gone. And you're just like, why? Where is, the phone. where is she gone? And then the worst thing is, see, if I have days like that where like I'm low energy, then it comes to being on the radio and I try my best to be high energy, but you might be fluffing your words or you might be whatever. Darren's like your man and father Ted hosting the Eurovision where like you just come on stage and or you put the mic up and Darren's like, yeah, hey, it's two of our breakfast, bam, 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 bam. And she like talks up to the vocal on a song and it's absolutely impeccable. And then she just goes back into... Hmm. And she's gone again. (laughs) Thanks for that, Carl. It's time for me to now officially power down. That brings episode two to a finish. Thank you so much to my friends today, Mark Megan, fart surfer extraordinaire, and Carl Mullen, the people's princess. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, please help us to let people know about the pod and subscribe to it wherever you get your podcasts. We also love a good review and a rating. So if you know how to do that or if you can figure out how to do it wherever you get your podcasts, please do. This podcast is produced by Chemistry Media and Collaborative Studios and this season of Theron and Friends is brought to you by FNF Fashion and Tesco.